Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday over the next year, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church. Now here is episode three, the extended cut of Ashley's story. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, thanks for, for sitting down and joining me for part of our Your Story Matters series. Um, I'm really lucky because I know your story and um, I've, I've learned it and heard it, I've seen it. And um, I think it's a story that needs to be shared. And I think it's a life experience that other people um, really need to connect with. And so I appreciate you being here and sharing that um, to being real and being vulnerable. Um, with people, because that's always tough. Um, so let's start with an easy one. Uh, what was your childhood like? Where did you grow up? Um, what was that experience like uh, when you were a kid? So I was born and raised in Maryland most of my life. Primarily lived in Montgomery County, like northern D.C. area. Um, I was raised by a single mom up until I was seven, eight years old, where she married my stepfather, and we became a family of five. So it was me, my mom, stepdad, younger brother, younger sister. What was that like? Dynamics were interesting. Yeah. Being raised by a single mom most of my life, like that was the foundation of my life. I really didn't know anything differently. So bringing my stepdad into the mix was kind of strange. Great guy, nothing bad to say about him, but just different, adapting to that. So we moved to Frederick the summer before my sophomore year of high school. And coming from city to country mm-hmm. was different. The one experience I remember was waiting for the bus. Me and my sister were gonna go to the mall and we saw one bus pass by our house and we're like, oh, we'll go across the street and catch you know, the other bus coming. Well, <laughs> fools on us. It was the same bus that was coming back around <laughs> an hour later. So it was just very different. Didn't really like it at first, but it has kind of become like a second home. Yeah, and so you went to high school here. What high school did you go to? Frederick High. Yeah, pre? Pre, yeah, the old building. All the things. So growing up in Montgomery County, spending time in Frederick as you got a little bit older, what was your church experience like? What was faith like? Um, was it a part of your family? Uh, was it part of your, your, your childhood growing up experience? So I grew up in church pretty much. My immediate family and my extended family all attended the same church in D.C. that my grandmother attended. So it was kind of like what you did on Sunday mornings. You went to about, or Sunday school at eight, nine o'clock in the morning. You attended church. If there was a late service, you attended that service. You were there all day long sometimes. I personally did not care for it. I liked my sleep. I didn't like waking up early. I didn't understand why we were doing it, especially since what we were learning at church and learning about God and Christ was not implemented at home, um, not the way that it was taught at least. So for me, I didn't really understand it, so I didn't like church as a child. Yeah, so it's like a cultural thing. Yeah. You know, similar to the way a lot of people grow up where uh, it's not a bad experience, it's just an experience. Right. You know, it's 
what you do specifically on big days. Yeah, we were there Mother's Day, yeah. Christmas, Easter. We were yeah. always there. Dress up, spend time with a big family. Oh, yeah, the big, flowery, fluffy yeah. dresses. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so you, you did the church thing, but it wasn't actually... It was church. It wasn't necessarily faith. Yeah, there faith. wasn't, like, any deep... At least for me, there wasn't any deep connection to the Bible, God, the building, or the people. Yeah, yeah. So there's not really a, a Jesus-centered thing, even though Jesus was the center of it. It's just kind of kind of how you grew up. Yeah. When you moved up to Frederick, did, did you continue to go to church in D.C., or did things change? We would go, like, to D.C., like, on major occasions, like if someone was getting baptized or something like that, family events or something. But we did find a church here in Frederick that we attended. Similar background, background Baptist yeah. background, so. Yeah. Same for you. Was it the same? Because you're a little bit older. Was it the same feelings? Like, yeah, we just go, or did things... Because at that point, you're probably old enough to tell your parents, you know, specifically your mom, like, no, you no, can't. You don't say you're not going to church. Right. You go. You go, and you you could tell you didn't want to be there, but sure. you go. I mean, eventually, you know, friends were made, and going to school, you know, some of my friends from school went to the same church, so you went for that reason. Yeah. You missed the whole point. But again, I, growing up as a young child and coming to Frederick, you know, staying on the choir, and my church back in D.C., we were ushers and do youth group trips and stuff like that. Um, And then kind of continue the same thing up here, singing, ushering. um, You know, I was a part of all of that. So you were involved. Mm -hmm. You showed up. You know, it's clearly like a regular part of your life, which is great. I mean, I think a lot of people have that church experience growing up where they're there, but something changes at some point, you know, and oftentimes it's you take a step back and why am I doing this? Like, why am I here? Um, and you have to decide, like, why am I doing this? Why am I here? So for you, um, what was kind of that that changing point, right? Because right now, you know, you, like, would say and, and you show in your life, like, faith is a major part of it. Scripture is a major part of it. Your relationship with Jesus is a major part of it. So it went from kind of attending and showing up to, oh, no, I want, I want this. I need this. Um, this is something I actually want to have a relationship with Jesus, not just Sunday church, check the box type, type of thing. So what was kind of one of or, you know, the moment where it started to change? So it was right after I finished community college um, at FCC, I was transferring to Towson. And just this overwhelming fear set in that I was going somewhere where I didn't know anybody that hadn't yet been done. Um, so just the fear in realizing that I couldn't do it like on my own, I was broke. Sure. Um, financial aid like was there, loans and grants and stuff like that. But I just think the overwhelming fear that I was going out into the world and taking a huge step that not many have taken in my immediate and extended family was overwhelming for me. So I realized I needed to hold on to that then. Yeah, and it gave you something you know, as you went into this next phase of life, that was terrifying. Yeah. Like, oh, I have this constant thing in my life, which is Jesus. And so ultimately led to you, like, leaning in, mm-hmm. right? Like, actually pursuing faith. And so what did that, you know, as as a late teenager, early 20-year-old, um, what did that feel like? How did that feel different than than just showing up? It was intentional. I chose to do it, not being told to do it. Yeah. 
understood a little bit more, not much, but a little bit more. And then I just think, even though I went all the time, I think it just became a part of me, a part of my life experience. So I figure why not actually incorporate it in everyday life? Yeah, if you're there and doing it, like let's see what this whole thing is about. Right. Yeah, that's great. Do you remember kind of like the weirdest experience you had in church as you were growing up? There were a lot of different things. Like, again, not really understanding why we did what we did. Like, one, I didn't understand why it was so long. (laughs) Church was, Sunday school was like 8 a.m. some days or 9 a.m. And then you were there for service for two, three hours. And then don't let like a special or special preacher come in. Like, Mm -hmm. you would stay there for that service too. Like, it was just all day long. But I want to say like, the strangest thing for me that I experienced personally was the first time I was baptized as a young child. I remember being told um, it, w- it would help me with like my demonic behaviors. And for me, like I didn't really, again, truly understand, but it was, my mom was also getting baptized. So to kind of sure. appease her, I just kind of went along with it. But that's always stuck with me. Like, okay, who's God? Who's this God that can help with these demonic behaviors that I didn't even know that I had or understand um, growing up? So. How old were you at the time? I was somewhere between like eight and nine. I was really young. So you're just a kid? <laughs> yeah. You're just a kid who's been there since eight o'clock in the morning. Yeah. That's yeah, so for me. And then also too, like, didn't really understand what demonic went back then, sure. but I knew it was a bad thing. Sure. And I didn't see myself as being a bad child. Yep. So just kind of like wrestling with that. Yeah. And I think that's something that personally, like for you could have majorly impacted your faith journey. Cause even as like a seven, eight, nine year old, that's, that's stuck with you, yeah. right? All right, so you have this this experience. It's kind of weird. You go to church. When did it all start to click for you? Like, when did church and faith and a relationship with Jesus become something that, for you, you were like, "I'm this is mine, and I'm owning this." And um, it's not to negate any of the childhood stuff. Not to say any of the childhood stuff was off or wrong, but it led you to a point where eventually, you're like, "All right, I'm gonna lean into this." Um, do you remember when that happened or like what that was like or really just kind of what, what went from cultural church family stuff to, oh, wait, like I really do want to, to believe in this and have this in my life? Right. So I think my first experience was when I was getting ready to leave for Towson. Um, I was active in a church here in Frederick, again, singing in the choir and doing everything. Um, and I used to, they called it Hands of Glory, where we did signing to music. And I remember one time, um, the song, goodness gracious, what was the name of the song? Your Will, I think it's called. And as we were singing that song, I just remember standing up front and just weeping. And I think I had a lot of fear from acknowledging that I had just finished community college and was going to Towson and didn't have a support system truly to college, didn't really have someone immediate family-wise that I could say, hey, this is scary. Um, I don't know how to navigate this. I was a broke (laughs) student. Um, So I think a lot of that, I cried when I had to take out a student loan. Like, I didn't want a student loan. But I think a lot of that just wrestling inside of me was the first moment that I was like, hey, you're here. Why not, like, start truly pouring in wholly to God? And I want to say, stepping on faith, like, back then, when I was going to Towson was the first experience. Um, And then again, once I was divorced in 2017, I strongly, or even leading up to my divorce, strongly just said, Lord, 
I, I die to myself and sacrifice wholly to you yeah. because I can't do it. I, I think there's something really cool about the fact that like you you leaned in for so long. Like you, there's this consistency of like I'm gonna show up, and and maybe it's for your parents, right? Maybe it's for you know the family dynamic. You don't want to be the one who's like I'm staying home today, but in doing that, you at least opened yourself up enough to receive some of the, the blessings that God was trying to hand you or even the church was trying to bring into your life. Um, I think that's awesome because I think a lot of people, uh, they'll just kind of either go with the flow and never change or they go with the flow long enough and they just they just give up. And so um, I think it's pretty awesome that you did that. What? Okay, so like this happened right before you went to Towson. What was faith like when you were at Towson? Because colleges are notoriously difficult. Um, in fact, we actually almost planted in Towson and it was like our number one city before we came to Frederick and um, ultimately Ray was like, we're moving to Frederick. And I was like, okay, we're moving to Frederick. But we looked at Towson because one of the reasons why I was college students, we're like, man, these young adults need faith. They need a church that they can connect in. Um, and we talked to a bunch of churches in the area and they're like, hey, this is where churches go to die. Like literally they were like splits, death of church plants, old churches that have been around a long time that were city-driven churches that kind of all got pushed out. And so, like, that is a notoriously difficult spot. It's also a tough age to kind of be in faith. So what was that like? Did you, like, drive back here to go to church, or did you find something there that you were able to connect with? So from time to time I would drive back, um, but I also worked a lot. I worked two part-time jobs and I babysat um, while putting myself through school. So my church attendance, like, died down a lot once I attended college. Um, I think back on it, it's like, did I have opportunity to do things? And I probably did, but I just remember working a lot. Sure. <laughs> if I wasn't in class, yeah. I was working, looking for new ways to get work or make more money, um, just putting myself through school, so. So one thing you mentioned about faith is kind of like the ebb and flow of it. And you referenced earlier the divorce um, and how that was actually a time when you started to push back into your faith. Do you mind just sharing a little bit about that story? Um, how did you get to that point? What was it? What was your marriage like before the divorce and before kind of that, that messiness? Um, and also like what role did faith play in, in all of that? I met my ex-husband right as I was transferring to Towson on the summer before I started my first semester at Towson. And um, it's kind of like, that became my God in a sense. So on top of working and going to school, had a new boyfriend that I was over heels in love with. It was a long distance relationship. It started as a long distance relationship. And everything seemed fine. You know, you, get, you have your butterflies and all is well. You know, every relationship has its troubles, but you work through it and think that things would change, you know, moving forward. The same year I was gonna graduate was the same year that he proposed in six months after graduation, we married. How old were you guys at the time? You, were you... 21, okay. 22. Yeah, so young. Yeah, young. Yeah. Foolish. Yeah. <laughs> I can look back on it and say that now. Sure, <laughs> yeah. Well, especially as you raise a kid, you're like, yeah. you know, I can see Didn't why. Didn't know anything. Yeah, yeah. Looking back on it, our marriage, we struggled through the years because we had a rough start. Um, the first year of marriage, we experienced a lot of heavy, heavy items from um, assumed, I guess you can say presume infidelity, the death of his grandmother, the death of my great grandmother. I miscarried. 
Um, we struggled with fertility. It was just a lot for a young couple who didn't have models of good marriages to reference, to experience all at once um, in the beginning. So I think that took a toll on us and we kind of never really got back to where we started. We continued to try to work things out. Eventually we had our daughter in the spring of 2013 um, where things seemed to be getting better. It seemed like dots were connecting, but it still didn't feel like things flowed, if that makes sense. Sure. By 2015, he decided that he no longer wanted to be married and kind of just walked out and took his stuff. Yeah, and it seems like too, like getting to that point, like you mentioned, like presumed infidelity, which is one thing, but infertility is a whole different thing, right? Like some of it's in your control, some of it's out of your control, you know, some of it's a choice, some of it's just life. And kind of mashing all those things up at one time can get really messy, really emotional. Um, we tend to connect those things, and and sometimes we make connections that we don't need to make that, you know, this leads to this, like that kind of stuff. That's a lot of stuff to go through that's really out of your control, things that you didn't choose, things that you didn't pray for, things that, that you didn't say, hey, this is what I hope my life is like. Um, so what was your relationship with God like during that time? Like, did you guys, did like, was was there faith in the house or was it just you? And then also like, you know, going through those hard times, right. what was what was that like? So in the beginning of all of it, there was no faith. Like we weren't going to church or anything. And I just kind of woke up one day when I was pregnant and I said, you know, it was after we found out we were having a girl. And I don't know what it was about finding out I was having a girl, but my reality like shifted in my, in my mind and I said, I'm not modeling behavior for a daughter that I would want her to replicate. He's not modeling behavior that I would want, you know, in a father and a husband. So kind of had a conversation with him and I said, you know, if we want to continue working through this, um, we have to incorporate church. Yeah. And so she was born and I would say six months after that, we started church hunting in Anne County. Yeah. And Actually, that's where I ended yeah. up, <laughs> where we missed each other, yeah. and I missed By each like other. By like a few months, yeah. you ended up in the church that I used to work in, yeah. and that's how we ended up with some mutual friends that are some of the most incredible people. Um, which, but we still didn't know each other. Yet. Yeah, and the whole story is too, which is, is fun, and I, I forget to tell these stories sometimes that when you started attending collective things, there's like immediate peace that I had and trust that I had, because I struggle with trust, mm -hmm. you know, uh, majorly. But it was, hey, here's these like three or four families that I'm connected with. And it was like, oh man, these are the best people. Yeah. Um, so as weird as that is, like we were just like a few months apart yeah. in that, so. So we went there and I wanna say, I can't remember the timeline, but I'll give it like six, six to eight months or something like that is when he had just started changing. And you know, I, I was not perfect. I was far from perfect, again, young and did a lot of things that I, I regret and I've worked through, but it just seemed like faith, my faith was like improving and I feel like I felt growth and I was involved. I uh, served in, at the time it was called Remix, so the middle and high school ministry, but he wasn't very connected with the church. He would attend, but I just think it wasn't for him. Sure. It wasn't his time. Yeah, and 
you know, there's there's part of it too where, you know, you're saying, hey, I want this to be different for my daughter, and I want, you know, faith to be a part of her life, but also like we want to be better versions of ourselves. Right. And sometimes when you do that, especially when your marriage is kind of on rocky soil, it the outcome isn't what you'd hope for. Right. So how did that impact your faith? Because a lot of times when people, especially when they feel like kind of they're at the end of this rope, they end up at church because they're searching for something. And when it doesn't go well, they're like, I'm out. Like if this didn't fix it, then clearly this isn't the solution for me or this isn't actually as good as everybody says it is. Or even if you have like friends in your life who said, Jesus is why my marriage is what it is. You're like, well, Jesus isn't helping my marriage. So it's really easy at that point to just give up. And considering like your whole faith journey and the peaks and the valleys of it. So why did you decide when he was like, I'm out, I'm done, you leaned in more? So part of it was because, again, finding out I was having a daughter, I started saying a prayer over myself because I knew (laughs) I couldn't do it. So uh, my prayer was basically apologizing to God for living out how I chose to live and not his will for my life. And then just kind of just begging him to remove any people, habits, like things that were not of his will because that's what I wanted to follow from that point. And almost immediately, like people just stopped talking to me, like friends that I've known for years, just nothing bad, just radio silence. Um, I started moving differently bit by bit. I was more self-aware. I wanted to be at church opposed to like growing up, like not really understanding that uh, why I was there. I wanted to be there. I loved my middle school girls, middle and high school girls. Like I just love being at church and I love being the model that I needed um, growing up. So I think for me that prayer just worked in so many different ways, but it wasn't until when he left that I realized, left the second time actually, that I realized that was my prayer being answered. Wow. wow. So obviously, at some point you leave Anne Arundel County, you move up to Frederick. You're kind of in the, not, not necessarily full beginning, but you're kind of in the beginning of this new life, this, you know, this life as a single mom, raising uh, an incredible kid. Um, you end up through friends that like things that are with collective and, and become a part of this community. Um, Talk us through what those first few years were like here in Frederick. Um, Because while it was you stepping kind of not to your original home, but back to a place you were comfortable with, uh, it was really messy. And, you know, it wasn't wasn't easy. So do you mind sharing with us like, okay, so now you're a single mom in a new place, uh, finding a new job, new church, you know, connecting with some old friends, finding some new ones. Um, What was that like? It was messy. It was very hard on myself because I felt like I failed. I felt like, especially in the Christian community, they preach so hard that, you know, divorce is not an option and you have to work through it. So when I ended up divorced, I felt like I failed at life because society teaches women, like, marriage is the goal. And when marriage didn't work out for me, it was like, okay, well, what now? Um, I also, too, struggled because I didn't want to be a single mom. I was raised by one. And while she did the best she could, it wasn't a dynamic that I wanted for myself or my children, or future children. But So I beat myself up a lot. There was no grace. You, be, you told me a lot that I needed to show myself yeah. grace. But there was no grace. I didn't feel like 
I deserve grace. Um, I also feel like God just wasn't there, like the promise of him being present. Yeah. He wasn't there. And it was just yet another thing I had to deal with. Yeah. So while I was present and I was showing up, that mustard seed of faith, I had a half of a mustard seed yeah. of faith. But I knew it would change. I've seen it change. So I just pressed in. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons why like, I adore you is because you just keep showing up. In hard times, <laughs> really in the life that you've lived, it would have been really easy at some point for you to just stop. And you didn't. And what's crazy, too, what people don't know about you, and some people do because they have kids that go to Collective, is that you've been serving in Collective Kids for five years. Mm -hmm. And you show up, you know, every single time you're scheduled uh, and more <laughs> for our kids. Even while you were struggling with your own faith, <clears throat> even while you're struggling with what is God doing in my life, even while you're struggling with an ex who was choosing to make things harder, and you, you just kept showing up, why? What made you go, okay, like we're just gonna keep going um, and, and really move from a place of, I'm protecting myself, I am going to be uh, in full control of everything I can. That makes sense naturally in the beginning, especially you know being a single mom, you're like, I am controlling all the outcomes I can. But what, what moved you from that place to where you are now, specifically for yourself, but also for your daughter? Well, for starters, I was drowning. I was drowning mentally, spiritually, emotionally, um, to the point where it felt like I couldn't breathe. Like literally someone was sitting on my chest and I couldn't breathe. And it's not healthy. So I had to literally tell myself, listen, if you don't let some of this go, or if you don't change, you're gonna kill yourself from the stress. But I think a lot of it was just reflecting on leading up to this point in my life, no one's ever really taken the charge to say, I'm gonna let God rule over every aspect of my life or their life. There's just thinking back, there were a lot of generational things from single parenthood to just everything. Like even going to college, I, I think back on it, my great grandmother had 11 children and I can only name a handful of people that actually went to college and got a degree in her family tree. So that's something I take pride in. And I figured if I can do that, then I can overcome, you know, divorce and I can overcome being a single mom, like just wanting to be a better, healthier me for myself, for the little girl that I needed in myself, but then also for my daughter and the children that, you know, not that I just serve here, but any child that I come across in my life. Yeah, which, I mean, knowing you, relationally speaking, like you have a lot of wonderful friendships who have kids and you love them, you know, in the same way that you love your own daughter. And, you know, that's reflected in, in those kids. Um, you know, I think it's, it's really cool because, uh, you know, sometimes we do get stuck in the generational loop of we're like our dad or we're like our mom. Um, and change isn't just you going, I'm going to change. It's saying, I'm, I'm digging in, and I'm saying this is going to be different, even though there's some things that are similar, right? And it's choosing not to carry that shame from the similarities, you know, of being a single mom like your mom, but saying, my mom did a good job, and I'm thankful that I had her, but I'm going to do 
even better because I'm going to make the decisions now that have the long-term impact. Um, so, you know, you're multiple years through this divorce. Obviously, it's had highs and lows. Um, you know, everybody who is going through a divorce where kids are involved, they know, like, sometimes it's impossible. Yeah. You know, especially as they get older, you know, and Arya has her own desires and personality, um, opinions, mm -hmm. all those things. But I've watched you personally move from a place of, of hurt, um, from a place of anger, which all made complete sense. But now you're, you're in this like different place with it. How did you get to that place? And what is that place like right now? And, and what is, what is, how does that feel? And how are you approaching this, this through your faith and through your community and through Jesus? Great. So I think a lot of it stems back to that prayer. That prayer is still being answered to this day. Um, of habits, I included habits because I knew <laughs> I had a lot of balance. Sure. So I think just the way that I think now is differently. It's not perfect. Like I still struggle with anxiety and depression. I just think acknowledging that I have those things and they're not me. Um, and I have them because of very valid reasons. Like I've experienced a lot of things, but that doesn't mean I have to stay there. I don't get as upset when someone tries to use those items against me sure. because it just shows the lack of empathy and sympathy in them, lack of grace and love in them. So I don't take that personal anymore. But in turn, I also kind of just pray for certain people, people that I truly don't care for. Um, including my ex-husband, like he's just one person that I'm not angry, I'm upset, I'm disappointed, but I'm not angry anymore with him because I know he has his own journey he has to take and he has to work through things. And until he does, this is just the dynamic it's going to be. The only thing I can do is just pray for a better relationship, better communication. That doesn't even necessarily have to be a relationship, but better communication um, for the sake of our child so that she can grow up, even with her parents' divorce, have both happy parents and can have moments that she can look back on and say, yeah, they're divorced, but I was able to do this with them. Like, that's my end goal um, for her. Yeah, so you're not praying that he gets hit by a bus, which is really important, <laughs> right? Because, I mean, because that's, that's how you feel initially. Yeah. And um, I just think there's something that's so wonderful toward the fact that, like, you actually take time to pray for him. And it's not passive aggressive. It's not, I pray that he honors our deals and agreement. Like it's, it's you're actually praying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Is it working? No, I'm just kidding. Um, you know, some of it is legitimately, you are praying that he actually ends up becoming the person that you wished he would have been, like for you. And um, one of the things you shared with me the other day, we talked about, okay, so like what, what does a prayer sound like? And you're like, sometimes it's just his name. <laughs> like Literally. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I can get out sometimes. It's just maybe we miscommunicated or maybe we just misinterpreted each other. And yeah. it's just like, sometimes I just say his name. I'll just like, God, you know what it is because maybe I don't have the right words. Maybe, you know, me being human still, I might mess up the prayer, which I know it's not possible, but just seemingly, I just rather God just go into my heart and take what I'm feeling and wrestle with that because I don't have it to give yeah. in, in word form. So a lot of times it is just, just the name. name. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, 
I think we'd all be better and our life would, would have more peace and more hope, more joy, if we could get ourselves to the point where, you know, when, when Jesus actually says, like, we're supposed to pray for our enemies and pray for people who persecute us, if we could actually get to that point in our faith of trusting Jesus enough to say, okay, this idea sounds weird, I don't really like it, but also, like, I should do it. And I, and I trust God enough, enough to do it. Um, one thing you mentioned earlier I want to kind of jump back to is you talked about uh, struggling with the idea of grace mm-hmm. and, you know, specifically in the beginning, us having conversations of like, hey, like, no, grace is real. You're allowed to have it. How does that feel now, especially as Arya gets older, right? Because a lot of times when we have young kids, it's I struggle to receive grace. you know, because I've messed up or because I don't think I do, or people told me I don't deserve it. But then you start having kids and you're like, oh, I don't want them to feel that way. I want my kids to understand this, like fundamentally, that there are endless second chances, that, you know, God loves us more than anything in the world and there's nothing we can do to take that away. So how are you feeling now with grace? What does that mean for you in your own life? How do you see that playing out, especially in, you know, still some of the mess? The first shift was acknowledging like I wasn't a failure because of my divorce and I started telling myself because people have literally used scripture and they're like but God hates divorce and I said but God loves me more than he hates divorce so once I started saying that and believing that because it's true God loves all his children no matter what we do but I think believing that I wasn't a failure because of my divorce and believing that God loves me no matter what which is I've seen it. I've, yeah. as a single mom, like, I remember when Aria was born, so nine years ago, and I have this thing with numbers and birthdays. <laughs> so I looked on the calendar and I was like, oh, her fifth birthday falls on a Saturday. I'm gonna take her to Disney. I said that in the hospital. And on her fifth birthday, I still took her to Disney, even as a single mom. Like, I'm, he made it happen. Um, I purchased my first home as a single mom. I made a deal with myself when I moved back to Frederick in five years, and I am in year five, that I was going to be debt free. But the caveat to that was I didn't know I was going to have a mortgage. So I twisted it a bit to say, you know, my debt free would be I'll just have my mortgage and just my student loan. And by the end of this year, I would just have my mortgage and just my student loan. So it was kind of like, just putting things out there, putting my desires on the table for God to know like, hey, I still have these desires even though my family dynamics have changed and he's answered every single prayer. Like for the first time, I wanna say this year, I've been tithing my 10% and I was nervous, but I don't even think about it now. Like it's just, it's worked out and all I've done is follow the steps that he's written in his word. Yeah. And what's cool is that, I mean, people who get to hear this story, it'd be really easy for us to isolate the end, 
yeah. and just you saying, yeah, it all works, you know. But that's the whole point of, of when we share our stories and we talk about our faith is it's not all up, yeah. you know. And for people to see that in your faith and in your church journey and in your relationship with Jesus, like there is still pain and there were still bad decisions and there's still sin and there's still brokenness. Um, but God is redeeming every single one of those things. Even like for you, you mentioned like generationally, God is redeeming like generational pain and generational brokenness as long as you continue to go. That's one of the reasons why I love your story. Um, it's one of the reasons why I wanted people to hear it, just because I want them to understand like, hey, when you're in this for the long haul and when you, when you decide like my faith is gonna be my faith and it's gonna be the journey that it is, uh, it is not gonna be perfect. And there are going to be things that you get upset with yourself and God. But if you continue to stay true to it, like you see grace show up and not just the, hey, I'm allowed to be a broken person, but grace show up in kind of the gifts we talk about. Like God, one of the ways that God gives us grace is through the ways that he blesses us because we don't deserve it. We don't deserve any of this. Um, Plus, I think the, the best thing that you get to experience is a daughter who is incredible and she's growing up super confident Mm -hmm. and loving and kind. Um, It's really easy for her to be a casualty of circumstances she didn't choose, Um, but you're raising her in a way that, you know, she feels the impact of it, but it's not something that's gonna knock her down. Yeah, I don't ever want her to feel like it's a crutch because you are more than your circumstance. So one thing I'm asking everybody in this is like if you had to offer wisdom, advice to people who are kind of going through similar things that, that you've gone through and that you're still in, right? Like it's it's a forever type thing. Um, but I would say specifically for people who are having marriage struggles, divorce struggles, single moms, um, single dads, you know, who are in the thick of it, right? Who are in your place three or four years ago what advice would you give them? What encouragement would you give them? Um, what like faith wisdom would you give them? The first thing I would say is be nice. It's underrated. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I fell short there. I was not always nice in the mix, in the mix of all of that. So, be nice. And you know, if third parties are needed, utilize them. Pray. Go to church. Believe and even when you don't believe, I think it's important to truly try. I think family is important, and we have to prioritize it. So, anywhere where there's spouses and children involved, like truly prioritize your family. Um, if it doesn't work out, still prioritize them because they're still your family. Um, just looks differently. Also, never give up on yourself. Like you're not a failure. Keep pushing. Show up. Yeah, yeah, and you said it earlier. Uh, and I just love this. You know, the Bible does talk about divorce, and that's not what God wants for marriages because God teaches marriages truly are one of the best representations of who God is. Like, you experience uh, a better understanding of who He is. But sometimes divorce happens, sometimes it's out of your control. It's not what you want, right? You didn't go into your marriage saying, man, I hope this ends this way. But you said, God loves you more than He hates divorce. And I just think that's such an important thing for people to understand is that God's love for his people 
um, never doesn't change based on decisions we make, decisions that other people thrust on us, you know, our shortcomings, our sin, um, our lack of wisdom and lack of understanding. Um, and just like sitting with that truth that, hey, like we screw stuff up and we walk out of alignment with what he wants for us, but that love doesn't vary through our life varying, you know? And I just think that's something that um, people need to hold on to, especially uh, people who are struggling with, with divorce because there's so much love tied up in that. And it's easy to feel unlovable and unloved or even like future unlovable and unloved, but God's love is so consistent. Um, and it's like the peak of it too. So it's not like a low level. It's like the reality is it's the greatest love we could experience. And that's, that stays true through everything. Uh, all right, last question. Uh, so I'm really interested to know this. Everybody that we have these conversations with asks, gets the same final question. Uh, I want to know, and you can do more than one, but what like Bible verses, like what, or stories mm-hmm. as you are going through this journey you know, going through this life where you are right now, even what's one Bible verse, one or two stories, whatever it may be that you just kind of hold on to. Um, you know, it's the thing that's written on the post-it note on your mirror or, you know, for a lot of people at collective, it's probably tattooed on them somewhere. What is that Bible verse? Can you share that with, with everybody? When I was thinking about this, I have one that's displayed in my bedroom, but when I think back to all the inflows of ups and downs, it was just chaos. So, I often went to any verse that referred to being still. So Psalms 46.10 and Psalms 37.7. So Psalms chapter 37, verse 7, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. Psalms 46.10, Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Both of those are kind of help with like the introspective and the external as well. Putting focus on me to say, hey, don't focus on the evildoers of the world, focus on what I'm doing because they're gonna have their day. And then also too, it's just like, hey, I made all of this, it's my world. So just kind of putting it in perspective that I'm not in control, it's his world and to truly be still. And it's helped so much just realizing I don't have to have my hands yeah. on everything, just being still and being steadfast, just continuing the course. But now that you asked about through a Bible story, being that I am still single, and that is by choice because I'm being still and I have goals that I know only God can help me through and keep my focus. But my favorite Bible story is Ruth. Oh, yeah. It just gives the hope that there is something on the other side. Um, even after losing a spouse, there's hope. I think oftentimes when we kind of go through these life experiences, it's very isolating. Mm-hmm. Um, even when you go to church, because you worry, like, are they gonna think differently of me? You know, do I have to put on a facade to get through this? And one of the things that obviously we want here at Collective, but just in Christian community in general is vulnerability. And just us being like, hey, this is, this is who I am. This is my garbage. Uh, this is what I've struggled with. Um, so thank you for sharing that. It's not easy, <laughs> but please know um, there are people who are about to go through that same season and that same storm that you've been through uh, and they will be better because they've heard your story. And 
Um, it might not end the way they want it to, but they'll know that they can trust God through it. Um, they'll know that you gotta keep going. Um, they'll know that God truly does love them, you know, even if they're the ones screwing the entire thing up. And, and that's what, what people need to hear. So thank you for doing this and sharing your story um, because it matters so much. Thanks. Okay.